Consider the following, and some of the results you will hardly believe. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Living Full Kombucha Podcast. My name is Lydia. I'm so glad that you're taking the time out of your day to listen in. And, you know, I was thinking... There are certain podcasters that have like a set intro and usually during the first minute or two, I kind of talk to you about like who I am, what I'm doing. Should I do that? Should I have like a set intro? I don't know. Maybe I would change my mind after like a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, hey, you're here (laughs) and I'm going to explain again who I am. But this is my verbal journal where I talk about my transition from being a public school teacher to now being a commercial kombucha brewer with my ultimate goal to open an inclusive kombucha tap room, which is going to celebrate neurodiversity in the brewing space and also bring fermented beverages and foods to everybody that I know. So welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. And if you've been here for a while, you know that I always like to extend a big invitation to connect with me, but you can email me over at livingfullkombucha at gmail.com. And I didn't even tell you what the business was called. I do that often, but our business is Living Full Kombucha and you can find us at livingfullkombucha.com. And I often will say us and we, it is just me right now, but I always speak towards the future tense and I believe that we are really moving towards that team and really soon actually, I'll be able to hire at least one person, which I'm excited to share that with you a little bit more in a future podcast episode. But I hope you join us on this mission towards bringing an inclusive kombucha tap room to our community and you reach out and say hello no matter where you're from. I'm located in Wisconsin, but maybe you're somewhere across the world. I'm just excited that we're connecting on this platform. It's so cool. But with that, I'm going to jump into today's main topic. And really, it's a quickie episode in a sense because I really just wanted to give an update on how things are going at the brewery. I shared in a couple episodes back that I doubled my production essentially and I'm using all new equipment to me and I wanted to report how that's going because it has been a little over almost two months now since I've gotten the equipment and I'm starting to get the hang of it and I wanted to share what's working, what's not working and kind of troubleshoot some things on the pod because like I said, verbal journal and this is where I come in process. So before I jump in and give that update, I wanted to share what I am sipping on. I will do that in every episode where I share something that I'm currently working on at the brewery or something of someone else's that I'm trying and just really excited to talk about on the podcast. But today I'm actually kind of in this mode of trying to keep up with seasonal brews. I shared in a previous episode that I'm trying to bring out a seasonal kombucha every single month that is different than my flagship four flavors of kombucha that I offer currently. So really what that looks like is me at home with a bunch of one gallon glass jars. All of them have different tea combinations and different flavoring ideas. And I'm just trying to keep up with the creativity because to be real, this is a really tricky season for me in the sense that to keep up with the demand and like I mentioned already before, it is just me producing. It's kind of hard to keep up with all of my flagship four flavors and my shrubs and just going to the farmer's markets all the time. And also trying to think of something new and find that time for that creativity. And also, I feel like there is kind of like two gambles here. One, if I'm going to think of a new seasonal flavor at this point because I am so busy and trying to keep up with the demand of keeping all of my flavors, the four flavors that I mentioned, in stock, 
If I want to create at least one batch of a seasonal, then I would have to take or basically say no to making a certain amount of one of my other teas. So for example, my elderberry hibiscus has been the top seller lately, and I have actually dedicated more of my symbiosis fermenters solely towards making the elderberry hibiscus kombucha, just to keep up with the demand and make sure that I actually have enough when people are asking for it at the markets and my retailers, because they've been solely asking for this flavor. But if I want to create a seasonal flavor, I basically have to say no potentially to one of the trays that is making something like the elderberry hibiscus or some of my other flavors. So me, I have to make an educated guess. So I was seeing that, okay, the elderberry is performing extremely well. So I left that tray going towards elderberry. But I had to look at my other brews and just humorously, I'll tell you how it backfired at me. (laughs) I looked at my flavors and how they were performing and I saw that grapefruit rosemary wasn't selling as well. And so I decided to go ahead and make one of those trays that was dedicated towards the grapefruit rosemary to then be for my new seasonal. Well, what do you know? (laughs) The grapefruit rosemary decided to be the top seller over the elderberry hibiscus for the next two weeks straight and I ran out and I didn't have anything to show for it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it did create a cool demand because people are like, where is that one? Can I try it? I'm like, well, we're out. So you're going to have to come back. So I actually have people coming back to my booth solely to try that one. But at the same time, I'm like, darn nabbit. Now I don't have enough of that flavor. So it's just kind of a gamble of deciding. But anyway, that's all to say that so far, I have had two seasonal kombuchas. One of them was a blueberry lemongrass with a green tea base. And overall, I felt like it went pretty well. I feel like If I had to roughly guess, 75% of people enjoyed it. To be honest, I wasn't super thrilled about it, but I wanted to bring something new. And let's be real, a lot of people, especially people that continue to come up to me at the farmer's market, you got to have something new. It really brings people back because they're excited to support you, but they want some new flavors from time to time. And so I went away from the blueberry lemongrass and I decided to try a dry hopped kombucha. And I shared about that in my previous episode, but that has gone fantastic. So much so that a lot of people are asking for that in bottles and the brewery that I'm at, you know, they're a beer brewery, so they love hops. They're like, ooh, can you put that on tap? I think a lot of people would respond really well to that. So seasonal has been going really well. It's been bringing a lot of new people up because they're just excited to see what we have on tap and different things. But now I'm in that pinch to come up with something new today. (laughs) And that brings me to the other gamble is because fermentation is a very patient drink. And so if I'm trying a new flavor, I got to wait a couple of weeks. So if I'm thinking of an August flavor, I should be working on it right now. And I'm saying that out loud because I haven't been doing that. (laughs) And this is kind of teaching me I need to be working on my August fall flavors, but I still need to figure out July. Whoops. Oh, well, real life. But today I am sipping on two different variations of uh, some tea bases that I'm trying out. I love different teas and I'm more drawn now towards flavoring my kombucha with different teas versus different fruits and herbs and things like that. And so I am actually sipping on a nettle raspberry leaf tea and I fermented that for two weeks and then I'm also sipping on a green tea nettle base. I have been really digging nettle and I've been trying to learn more about herbs and that's actually a huge other interest of mine is that I'd like to learn more about different herbs to put in the kombucha and how that could benefit the body. But it is a super food and it's so good and it's actually packed with a lot of amino acids and things for your body. And so I drink it hot all the time and I'm like, why don't I just ferment it and see how that tastes? And it's really nice. It's actually, 
I don't know. The way I want to describe this is if you've ever fermented green tea, it is really smooth like a green tea, but it's almost like buttery smooth. It's just a really nice easy sipper palette and it makes the kombucha very pale in color and I'm really enjoying that. But the other one I mixed was with a raspberry tea leaf and I love this tea. I actually drink it hot. It really helps my women's reproductive health. You know, if you want to read into that, super cool. But it's really nice for that. And I thought combining the two would make a really nice ferment. And it really did. I really enjoy it. But when I had my husband, Sean, try it, because he's usually the first one to try anything new, he was very quick to say, it's good, but I don't think it's going to attract people to want to come up and try it. And I could kind of see where he is coming from because if we look at where we are at in the United States and just kind of how kombucha is accepted in our area, majority of people coming up to our booth still don't know how to pronounce kombucha, what it is, what it could do for the body. And so when they see a flavor like lemon lavender or cherry or something that is very familiar to them, they're more apt to come up to our booth and they're not reading the word kombucha. I actually don't say kombucha a lot because I just want them to taste it and actually see what it is first and then tell them, oh yeah, this is kombucha. It's a fermented tea. And so words like nettle or raspberry tea leaf, some people, again, I'm just assuming, but we are guessing, Sean and I, my husband and I, we're guessing together that this would not be something that would attract the masses. Whereas, for example, my dry hops, people are like, oh, hopped, beer, cool, correlation, yes, I want to try it because I already have a really cool thought with that. Same thing with different fruits. You know, oh, I love lemonade, so maybe I might like the lemon lavender, stuff like that. So although I freaking love it and I'm really excited about this brew, I think I'm going to tweak it and maybe add something to it. But over time, I can see me, especially in a tap room, really focusing more on some of those herbal components and doing some more things with tea bases that I, I really feel like, especially as I build up this profile of who we are and why we're here in our community, more people are going to jump onto this and be like, okay, yeah, I could totally sip that too. And now we are just one step closer towards converting everybody and getting everybody to enjoy fermented foods. We're taking over the world, you guys. Ho <laughs> ho. You're included in this too, Brewers. This isn't just me. We're doing it together. Anyways, I like this. I'm really excited about how these are doing, but I probably will transition and do something a little bit more familiar to the masses. But I'll keep you posted on that in a future episode. All right, so for updates, I wanted to mostly speak towards our symbiosis fermenters. So as a quick summary, in March, I received our new symbiosis fermenters, which are more shaped like trays. And again, you can always go back into previous episodes if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I now have eight 16-gallon symbiosis fermenters. And I had transitioned, and really I'm still rocking these smaller trays, but I had seven-gallon symbiosis fermenters in the past. And so now I have them all together. And so these larger trays, I have now had to figure out what ratios have worked for me, how much time does it take to ferment, and how do I clean them? (laughs) That was definitely something I didn't really consider. I am happy to report that in regards to filling them up using different teas, sugar, and SCOBY ratios, I've had great success so far uh, with my batches and how they've turned out. In regards to keeping consistency and flavor, that was something that I was extremely concerned about was, is it going to taste the same as my 7-gallon trays? And I believe that they do taste very similarly, which is awesome. So I feel like over this course of the last two months, I've been rocking the same ratios and I've been having really consistent batches. Now, in regards to the timing, I feel like the timing has changed a little bit in the amount of time it takes to initially ferment. So fermentation one, 
So far, the batches are taking a little over three and a half weeks. Now, I always stress this every single time. We are all so very different in our brewing styles, techniques, everything, including your environment and your culture that you're using. So many different factors to consider. So don't just take my word for it and say, oh, it's going to take me three and a half weeks to brew this. Your style of fermenter can be extremely different than mine. And I know a lot of brewers, for example, that have larger systems and they take at least a month to brew. So when I say, wow, this is a really long time, to others, they're like, wow, that's like barely any time for me. And I usually take double the amount of time. I don't know, something like that. Hopefully your brews don't take two months, but you get what I'm saying. In my smaller trays, because again, it's a smaller volume, I was only taking about two weeks. And so that was a little bit of an adjustment for me because waiting a little bit longer for the yield, I've had to adjust some of my um, demands. You know, thinking about a two week cycle, I thought that I would have X amount of product for this farmer's market, but it actually took me a lot longer to get ramped up to the yield that I'm now happy with. I am still doing 15% of my starter culture going into each of the batches and that has been working really well. In fact, hot diggity dog, you guys. It is wild how big these scobies get because of course the, the pellicle mat, the cellulose mat, takes on the shape of whatever vessel you have it in. And so I've never worked with a vessel this big and so <laughs> it's a huge rectangular pellicle scoby every time I'm done with a batch and it is just so cool. I literally held it up and they're heavy. I pulled it out and it literally was like from my chest almost down to the, the floor to my shoes. <laughs> And so the brewery, the guys there were like, whoa, that is just so cool. If we saw one of those in our brewing vessels, we would freak out. But the fact that you're so excited that it formed, we're happy for you. (laughs) So that's just been really cool to see that I have a very strong culture that goes into it. And I feel like it produces a really great batch overall. So I'm very, very happy with uh, kind of my, my recipe. Now, some things that I have really had to learn, it was a big learning curve for me because as I scale up in volume, it's basically, I've heard this from other brewers too, is being a brewer is essentially finding out how to move large amounts of liquid. And when it was seven gallons, that's super easy for me to use because I could just use my hands and move it. But now that I'm working with 16 gallons, I can't just pick up that tray anymore. I have to move that liquid somehow a different way. So with these symbiosis fermenters they have butterfly valves and a spot where you can attach different hoses and I was able to obtain some hoses and a pump to now move my liquids from my kettle which was another piece of equipment that I got to learn about and transfer that to corny kegs which is where I do my infusion of flavor. So using those hoses and the pump has been a little interesting and I'm kind of laughing a little bit because I've had a lot of messes as I've tried to figure this out. Overall, I have a self-priming pump, which basically means whatever you hook it up to, when you turn on the pump, one side of the pump will start to suck automatically and it will transfer that liquid through the other side of the pump, through the hoses and into whatever next vessel you want it to go to. Well, through some of my trials, I didn't realize that you had to first open up the, I don't know the word for it, basically make a way for the liquid to move and like open up the seal. There we go. Open up the seal to then before pumping, turn it on. Okay. So basically what I'm trying to say is I once turned on the pump and I say once, this has been like three times because I'm really terrible at remembering this. I turned on the pump but the seal wasn't open yet. And so the pump is sucking and sucking and sucking, but it has nothing to suck. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so it literally gets super hot and it can overheat and that actually could make it not work anymore and I did realize that right away so I was like oh crap but then another time oh this is terrible I opened up one way and so the seal was open and then I hooked it up to my fermenter but I forgot to open the seal to that one so all of this extremely hot tea starts to go through the lines goes through the pump and it goes into the hose but the liquid had nowhere to go because I didn't open the seal into the next vessel that I was putting it into. So almost simultaneously from me turning on the pump, the hose started to expand and expand and expand and like a balloon, it got too tight and boom, (laughs) the hose didn't break, but it caused with the pressure caused it to burst and boom, hot tea started going everywhere. I didn't get burnt, but it definitely was hot and I was just like, oh my gosh, I was, it was everywhere on my face. It was everywhere on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. That happens sometimes. And also I'm working with a lot of water hoses because I'm cold crashing my kombucha. So once I put in the hot tea, I then fill it up with cold water. And so there's been times where my quick connects that I have that are on my hoses have just come loose and same thing again. Water goes everywhere. So I have been wet quite a few times as I have learned all this equipment. But I am really proud of myself because at this point I am getting pretty good at this and I have a system for myself. Before I now turn on my pump, I think, okay, are all the seals open? Are all the hoses connected? All right, now we're ready to rock and roll. But I've been grateful for for learning this and and really this is just going to continue to scale as well. You know, if I think about over on the other side of the brewery, they also have pumps, butterfly valves, and hoses, but they are just a lot more large for transferring larger volumes of liquid. So this is just a really cool way for me to learn. And then as I go, uh, you know, shadow the guys over in the brewery, I'm like, okay, this is kind of similar to this part of mine. So this is all just helping me go towards that next step. And yeah, if you want to know more about the equipment, feel free to reach out and I would love to share that with you. But lastly, I'll conclude with the cleanup, the not so fun part, but super important because you got to have a clean environment to brew again, right? And this is kind of where I am not a fan of the symbiosis trays. Not that I don't like to clean up. I know that that's necessary, but I feel like the structure of the symbiosis fermenters just is not conducive towards cleaning very well or really even handling it in general. And I'll kind of break this down briefly. Before I say that, I am definitely not uh, hating on stout tanks, which is who I purchased these symbiosis fermenters through, but I am going to give an honest review. And just as I'm using this more and more, there are definitely some things that I would change about this. And if this will help you as you're trying to figure out what is best for you and your brewing area, hopefully my insights will help you make the best decision. But as mentioned before, and you can go back to my Instagram, you can look up symbiosis trays, but they are essentially four very large stainless steel trays stacked on top of one another. And in the front, that is where you can connect a butterfly valve and you can connect your hose. So when I have taken out with a hose and decanted all of my liquid, there is no easy way for me to insert another hose or something to fill it with cold water or warm water or pbw or whatever you use to then clean it in place so if you're familiar with sip clean in place cip that's kind of what a standard brewery does is they clean in place um, and then they restart but for me i got to get out that pellicle i have to make sure that there isn't any yeast strains that are stuck in the drain And so for me, I feel like the most effective way to clean them is to actually take the tray completely out and put it somewhere where I can clean it and see and like get my hand inside of it. And unfortunately, with the way that these trays are structured, 
there isn't like a easy way to pull them out. Like you would think kind of like a drawer, you know how it has a mechanism underneath it that you can easily roll it out and then push it back in. That's not there. What it's on like this metal stand, it is just that. It is a metal stand and you physically have to pull it out and then you need to move it to where you need it to be. So what's worked for me is that I will have a stainless steel table that is like two feet away from these trays and I will pull it out so it's already decanted there's nothing inside there's a little bit of the scoby maybe and I will pull it out and I will put that on my stainless steel table and I will clean it in place essentially right there but I can actually see all the different inside of this tray that I can wipe it down and I'm able to then use my cleaner and my sanitizer on and I can make sure that all the goopy yeast is out of there before I put it back up but it's heavy <laughs> like that thing is heavy and I wish that it was a lot easier for me to maneuver around because I had to pull in and out a lot and it would be so much better if you were able to just roll it back in but thus far it is working pretty well for me cleanup altogether probably takes about 25 minutes so with like soaking it and sanitizing it and then putting it back in now lastly the only other thing I will say that is kind of I wouldn't say a flaw but just really annoying and kind of hard for me to figure out is how to actually put on a breathable cloth on top of this very large tray when it's time to restart the fermentation process. So now it's all full with tea. I've cleaned it. Cool. I've already cold crashed it. I've put in my liquid SCOBY. I'm ready to cover it up with a very breathable cloth. I use muslin cloths. But because it is a huge rectangle, I can't just be like, boop, there it is. No. It's, it's full of liquid and for me to put on a cloth, it falls in all the time. So you have to think of a way that you can put this on as one person and strap it in there so it doesn't fall into the liquid tea and gets the cloth all wet. And so what I've come up with, and I will post a picture of this online so you can see this, but we got rubber bands and these are like almost like, I want to say like industrial rubber bands. I don't know if that's actually a term, but they aren't just your typical rubber bands. They are like really big, almost like, oh, I want to say like workout bands, like they are thick. And I have stretched these bands diagonally across from one another. And so I go from the left front side to the back right side and I make an X out of these rubber bands. And then I lightly put on the cloth on top and it rests on top of these bands. So if it falls in a little bit, the rubber bands catch it and it won't touch the liquid. So that has been working really well, but it's almost like a lasso. It really takes some practice where I'm like, all right, here we go. And of course, it's very wide too. So for being one person, I can't just like, woo, throw the sheet and it like goes on completely great. No, I have to like edge it on and like go really fast. And then yeah, I have to secure it with another rubber band to make sure that it's nice and tight. And what a freaking mess because this is extremely difficult when they are all stacked on top of another. The top ones are super easy to put a cloth on top of. But as you continue to go down, you only have just a few inches of room to work with. And you have to basically push this cloth forward, but also be on the right side and the left side and inch it up all the way. And my husband always laughs at me when he sees me doing this. He's like, my goodness, thank goodness you're so small because you literally are getting in like the littlest spaces just trying to get this right. And it's kind of a mess. That's definitely my least favorite part, even above cleaning is getting on this muslin cloth. And I feel like I found a good system, but hey, if you are rocking trays of any size, let me know how you do it because what a mess. On my smaller 
dollar trays, I actually repurposed like a uh, like a cooling rack for cookies, and we've made essentially a grate that goes over the top, and so <laughs> it, it looks pretty cool. But basically, it just lays right on top. But I I can't find any cookie trays of that size to go over these 16 gallon things. So anyway, long story short, to say it is a mess trying to get claws on these trays. But hey, I'm practicing and I'm becoming a master of it. And with that, that's where I'm going to leave you today. That's basically an update on how things are going overall. I am extremely pleased in how these batches are turning out. I am learning to get better every day by cleaning the equipment and putting the claws back over it and just making sure that I'm getting the best consistent batches that I can. But if you have any more specific questions or again, if you just want to say, hey, what's up? I am over at livingfullkombucha at gmail.com. And if you have a minute, it would mean so much to me if you left a review over on Apple Podcasts. It really helps spread the word. And I just feel like kombucha podcasts are, are very few and far between, right? We don't have a lot out there. And so it'd be so great to connect with other brewers or other entrepreneurs or people that are just interested in this awesome drink. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen into today. I'll see you back again soon. So in the meantime, be well and cheers.